0: So, seven 107 verses, about 12 minutes, if you were to read it all in one place. But if you notice it, right, who's the audience for this sermon? Right, when we read it again, who's the audience? His disciples came to him. Now, the purpose of this sermon is to you. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this sermon is to you. To teach us how to live a life that is blessed. And you might have noticed, um, I don't know how you picture the scene. Do you picture a stage and, and flyers and all these things? That's not how it happened. Right? Jesus came up to the mountain and then he sat down. So imagine every Sunday, like, whoop, all right, guys, here we go. Ah, it's actually kind of comfortable. All right. We should do this every week, right? Um, Jesus just sat with them. He got on their level. To teach them, to show them the truth. It wasn't a performance. It was like the words that he's going to speak to them were meant to be the power. right? And what does he say? What is the word that's repeated over and over and over again? Blessed, Blessed, right? Now this word blessed, when you look it up in the Greek, um, I always try to say the Greek word and I just totally... Destroy it, right? So you'll just have to kind of look this one up on your own and try to sound it out as best you can. Um, Makarios, right? This idea is the idea of, it's a poetic term for supremely blessed, happy, fortunate, just a joy. How many of us would sign up for this? I said, hey, on your way out the door, pick up some joy. Let's go, right? All right, yeah, let me me do that, right? So what Jesus is going to teach them is how to have an enduring joy joy. If you want to have an enduring happiness in the Lord, blessed are those who this. And he's going to give us three foundational things we need to listen to. Then he's going to give us a kind of some to-dos, things that we need to live out, and then he's going to give us a warning about what it means to have spiritual endurance as we go through this book. So Jesus is seated. He's talking to his disciples, and he's now going to to give them this word. He's going to give him this word. But listen, before we jump into it, let me help you understand something. We believe lies. We believe lies. The world has told us that if you want to be happy, do these things. For example, one of the lies we believe is if I just get a new blank, I'll be happy. If I just get a new car, I just get a new piercing, I just get a new house, I get a new spouse, I get a new job, I get one of these things, I'll finally be happy. That's a lie. That's a lie from our enemy, the father of lies. Right? Or maybe we say, if they would just blank, I'd be happy. If they'd just be nice to me, if they just wouldn't yell at me, if they would just win the game against Alabama and finally finish them off... Look at that. You're happy, right? You're happy. How many of you would not show up today if they lost? Ooh, I'm sorry. I'm a Florida Gator fan, right? Um, Man, we so many times, if they would just do this, my life would be happy. Man, if I wake up on the right side of bed, I'll go worship the Lord. Ooh, so much of our happiness and our joy is coming from outside things. Oh, if I just had more of this, I'd be happy. If I just had more money, if I just had more time, if I had more friends, more popularity, if I just had more of this, I'd be happy. That's a lie from the pit of hell, right? Happiness cannot be something that comes from the outside in. If your joy is dependent on circumstances, it's not real joy. The only joy you can have is a joy that comes from the Lord, an inside joy that regardless of the circumstances around you, you still can celebrate, If your body is falling apart because you have cancer, you can still celebrate the Lord. You you lose someone that you love so dearly, you can still find joy in the Lord. How is our joy? Is it tied to the things of this world or is it tied directly to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Where does your joy come from? Because we're on a search for it, aren't we? We're on a search to be happy. We're on a search to be satisfied by the things. Well, Jesus is going to tell us, here is how you can have that joy everlasting. Here's how you can rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Be joyful always. All these verses that proclaim that we could have joy every day. Here's the keys to it. There's three foundational things in these first few verses. He says this in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does this mean? That we need to be ready to be spiritually poverty, have spiritual poverty. Are we willing to let the Lord come in and build our life? Like imagine that you were able to take your heart out like, right? Like Indiana Jones style, maybe not that style, not your real heart. Like your spiritual heart, okay? Take your spiritual heart, take it out, and you were to lay it on the table before the Lord. Would you let him rearrange it? Because if we're honest, our heart, pull it out. That's kind of a gross sound. I I kind of like it. But um, if I put my heart out there, too many of our lives look like Jenga. Right? They look like Jenga. You're waiting for someone to come by and they pick out the wrong piece and it crashes. Jared, not that piece. Jared, like Jenga, drops it right on top of my heart. Just wrecked it. How many of our joy and our happiness look like this tower? It's unsteady. It's the fourth quarter. Oh, no. Right? How many of our hearts and our joys are so unstable? Instead, are we willing to take our hearts out, lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, burn up the things that aren't of you. Take them away. If there's things in my heart that are pulling my affections away from you, remove it. I want you to rebuild my heart on what you want it to be on a firm foundation, which is Christ. Are we willing to do that? Because too many times we keep building our heart on false things, and then that Jenga piece is taken out, and it crumbles. Our faith crumbles. Our, our hearts just fall apart instead. No, Lord, can you, like, hammer it? Can you make my heart into a fortress and put the Holy Spirit as a watchman over my heart? Gossip? No, no, you're not allowed in here. Hate? No, you don't get in here. Love? Come on in. Joy, come on in, right? Lies, stay away. Do we have our hearts secured in the Lord? Is the Holy Spirit the architect of our heart and our affections? That's the challenge here. And why does he use this term "porn spirit? The easiest example I have is going to Honduras. If you want to meet some of the most generous people in all the world, go into the mountains of Honduras. They live on $3 a day, $3 a day. Half of your uh, mocha java latte thingy, right? That's what they live on per day, and they're the most generous people. They're like, you can have the shirt off my back. We're like, no, we gave you that shirt last year. Keep it, right? We want you to keep the things that we're giving to you, but they're so generous in their way. Why? Because they're content. So let me ask you, is your heart content? When your heart is content, we're not always reaching for the next thing more, new, them. We're not reaching for those things anymore. We're content in the Lord. So if you want to have true joy, true happiness, have contentment in your spirit. Be Rest in the security that God has given us in the Lord. And there's some incredible verses in Isaiah that I think um, point this out so well. Look at Isaiah uh, 57 verse 15. I think it's a beautiful picture that we get here. It says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Isn't that a great description of God? The one who holds eternity in his hand. He's holy. He's lifted up. I dwell in the high and the holy place, says the Lord, and also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That the Lord is high and lifted up, and He's also with those that are poor in spirit. And, And he tells us again, if you turn a few pages to the right in chapter 66, he gives us another picture of this again. He says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you had built for me, and what is the place of my rest? In other words, do you have to get your life all together before you come to know Jesus? Nope. No. What are you going to build that God's going to be like, ooh, that's pretty cool. I made the universe. What can we make to impress God to make him like us? Instead, he's like, listen, right, all these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Woo. So if you want to have joy in the Lord, Right? You have to be humble, broken, poor in spirit, and tremble at his word. That's where joy begins. That's where this internal joy that battles against the outside influences begins here. The God that is high and lifted up is with the brokenhearted, the poor in spirit. Then he says this, because I know this is the thing. When you bring your heart out to let Jared grab the Jenga pieces, right? when you bring your heart out, you're risking something. And look what he says next. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Because if we're honest, we've tried this bring our heart out thing before, haven't we? And people have hurt us. And we have this tendency to retreat, put our heart in that back room, lock it away, turn the deadbolt, and not let anybody see it anymore. We're scared to let it out because we might get hurt. But he says, Blessed are those who mourn. Don't be afraid to feel. Don't be afraid of the emotions that God has created in us. Just be careful what you do with them. Don't let them be in the driver's seat of your life. Don't let your life be driven by your emotions, but you still need to feel them. I have a tendency to, like, stuff them. Anybody? Like, oh, stuff them, stuff them, stuff them until what happens? We're like the worst jack-in-the-box in the the world, right? Right? Somebody gets me wound up and then boom, it just comes out over everybody, right? So don't stuff your emotions. Embrace them, but don't let them rule over you. Only one thing rules over you Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we let him rule, but we let our hearts feel. It's scary to bring your hearts out before people. They might trample on it, but we also know one who suffered the same way, the Son of God, who came into the world and they crucified him. We have the right to be like him by blessed are those who mourn. In fact, Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon in Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter seven, tells us it's better to be in a house of mourning than a house of feasting. That when you go to a house of mourning, right, your heart will be made right before the Lord. That when you just spend your whole life on on top of the party, you don't ever get to feel the depths and to the feel the, the comfort. Of the Lord. Have you ever been in that place where you're just you're just so hurt and just like things are going wrong, and that person comes up and gives you that hug? Right? I'm a hugger, but you give them that hug, and it's like they just oh, they like cuddle in. It's like just something about that comfort just feels you feel the love of someone else in that. The Lord wants to comfort you, He wants you to feel, and when those feelings are done, He wants to be there with you in the depth of that pain. You see, your heart comes out there. People are going to hurt it, but yet the Lord is with us in that. And then he says this, and this is the third kind of foundational piece in verse um, 4. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 5, actually. Blessed are the meek. What is meekness, right? This term meekness is so unique. We think of it as humility, but it's more than that. The the picture of it that you see from sort of the Jewish people is this idea of having a stallion, right? You have a horse that that can run like the wind, and yet it lets the bridle be in its mouth, and it lets itself be led by the rider, right? So this idea of meekness is that it's humble, it's submissive, but it has the power and the strength. This is you. You have been created by God. You are his workmanship. You have all of these purposes and gifts and abilities. Just don't let them be led by the wrong driver. Because when you let the wrong driver lead it, they lead you into pride, sin, and destruction. When you have to let the Lord lead it, he's going to whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. And see, what is so beautiful about this picture is that when we let the Lord burn away the things in our heart that are not built for him, when we learn how to mourn and feel and have the emotions that God has given us, and then we learn meekness, what can man do to us? Well, what can man do to us? I heard a, a quote by I think it was Justin Martyr. He goes, um, "You can kill us, but what can you really do to us? What can man really do to us? To live as Christ, to die as game. What can man do to us?" What we should be worried about is the second death, not knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior and, and seeing, being before him and say, hey, I never knew you. That's where the fear, the trembling needs to be. For those of us in the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear from the Lord. So we have to have our hearts for him, fully devoted to the Lord. We have to have our emotions fully submissive to the Holy Spirit. And we have to have our confidence In the Lord to let Him lead us, then you'll be ready to do what the Lord wants you to do. Because look what He says next. He gives us sort of this this list of things that He wants us to do next, but He wants us to do it in meekness. Right? We see people like Moses being described as meek in there. In fact, look at Psalm 37, verse 11. It's almost an exact quote of this beatitude that has been um, taught back from when David was writing these songs. It says, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Would anybody love to have more peace this week in your life? It comes from being meek. Having knowing who we are created to be, but yet being submissive to the Lord. Or look what it says in Isaiah uh, chapter 29 right? It tells us that we can find a fresh joy in the Lord. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord. Woo! Who wants some fresh joy? I want to imagine. We have Honduran coffee, some decaf, and then we had fresh joy coffee. Anybody sign up for that one? Imagine every day you wake up, right? You go to the Word, you get fresh joy. Woo! How would you handle your day? I mean, it's fresh. It's new. Every day we have an opportunity with the Holy Spirit to wake up, forgetting what's behind, press on towards what's ahead, for the heavenly prize that he's called us to. We can have a fresh joy every day. Do we? Or do the, does the past linger? The mistakes that Christ has already paid for, they linger. Now, be wise. Learn from the, the things of the past. But we need to press forward. Perhaps yesterday you fell short of the glory of God. Perhaps yesterday you said a word that you wish you could have taken back. Perhaps yesterday right, you did that thing that you wish you hadn't done. Start new. On your way out, pick up some fresh joy. The meek, those who don't have to prove themselves to people. Woo, that's what meekness really means. Are you so confident in who you are in the Lord that you don't have to prove yourself to others? They say something about you, you're like, Oh. Thanks. OK. I know who I am in the Lord. I'm confident. What do the Lord wants? if He wants to teach me and refine me from the burn up something in my heart? OK. In fact, um, in that Ecclesiastes verse um, earlier, when we were talking about this, he said, um, "Blessed is the rebuke from a wise man, better than the song from a fool." Would you, pr- would you prefer to have a rebuke from a wise man this week, or have people sing your praises? I know, it's too real. Sorry, it's too real. But it's true of the gospel. Would you rather have someone speak in your life and go, hey, I see this thing on your heart. It's just not producing the right fruit. Let's help get that out of your life together. Or have someone go, you're so great. Eric Dean, greatest drummer ever been around. Love this guy. Humble, singing his praise. Right? Which is all true. But he's got to know who he is in the Lord. Right? So what do we do next? Look what he says in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So here's, here's the action stuff for us to do this week. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? And here's a definition, right? Righteousness is this idea of being in the right state before God. That when God looks at you, he sees this person is in the right position with me, right? We like to use words like integrity and virtue and purity of life. Those are words we use to describe this characteristic of someone who is in the right standing with God. That every single day at the end of your day, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Every day we strive to live a life that the Lord says, well done, at the end of it. Well done. That's what we strive. Do we hunger and thirst to do the right thing? based upon what God has commanded us to do. When we crave it, we want to do what's right. We want to be blameless before him. This will give us a confidence in the Lord. When we act right, we don't have to lie to cover it up. When we act right, we don't have to worry about gossip. When we act right, we don't have to defend ourselves. Our life is our defense. This is freedom. This is how you can be, have joy. You're not worried about what the next person is going to say. You're walking in that freedom. Then he says this, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Woo. This is this radical idea of forgiveness. How good are you at forgiving others? Do we hold on to this list of wrongs, or are we willing to wipe it away and treat everybody every day in it with a fresh joy? Oh, yeah, I know, you know. Dustin shouldn't have said that to me yesterday, but today I love him. Every day, we, don't, we put away the record of wrong. How would your marriage be if we didn't keep a record of the wrongs? Woo, mine would be better. I remember. You can pray for me. I have a good memory. That's not always the best thing, right? So are we ready to, to wipe those things away? Just as Christ has wiped away our sins, are we willing to have a radical forgiveness for the people around us? Now we show mercy just as Christ has shown mercy to us. Then he says this in verse 8: Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who have genuine motives. I mean, yes, yeah, some of us can grit it through it, but do you genuinely in your heart have a love for God and a love for others? Is our heart fully devoted to God? Our heart, soul, mind, strength is all of that devoted to the Lord. Are we pure? In heart. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament about how the Lord loves to be with those that are pure heart. In fact, we see it in 1 Timothy 1.5, where he's encouraging Timothy. He says, The aim of our charge is this, right? To um, serve the Lord with a pure heart, a sincere conscience, or good conscience, and a sincere faith. Are we pure in heart? Do we have a good conscience? Do we have a sincere Faith. This is the challenge. Then he says this in verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Are you a peacemaker? That when you walk into the room, people are like, oh, man, I'm so glad Colin's here. God, finally, it's a peace into the room. Or do we walk into the room and everybody's like, ooh, eggshells. They're being really careful where they step they want to say the wrong word or do the wrong thing cuz they're afraid it's going to explode right are you the kind of person that when you step into a room people exhale they feel a peace when you're there the spirit of the lord is here awesome or otherwise cuz if we come in with the peace of god we'll be called sons of god there'll be something in us that they recognize i recognize this in you blessed are the peacemakers right? So he gives us these action things. Act right. Show mercy. Have genuine motives, right? To be a peacemaker in the things that you do because you're going to need all of these things in order to have spiritual endurance. Are you ready to be the person that God wants you to be because the world is not going to like it? The people in the world are going to push back against who you are in Christ. When you have a joy that's unexplainable, The world struggles with it. And so he gives us in these next this kind of section three kind of like warnings, maybe encouragements, and how to have spiritual endurance. And look at the first one. And this one is challenging. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Woo! Are you ready to endure the sins of others? You can pray for me in this one too, right? Are we ready as followers of Jesus Christ to endure the sin, the judgment, the hatred, people that revile you, per- people that persecute you, are you willing to endure those things with joy? With the joy of the Lord, blessed are those who endure well. Now, listen. I don't know if you had a chance to be to experience um, this sin of other people that want to judge you. They look back on a situation and say, "Oh, that situation was this. That situation was this," and they begin to persecute you based upon that righteousness. If you want some examples of it, go look at our reviews as a church. You know, every week um, I get a call from someone. We can make your bad reviews go away. For this much money, we'll make these things go away. Da 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 da. da like. Why would we want those things to go away? Wouldn't it wouldn't be real, or we want to be fake. Do, do we want to be real? I and mean, think about this. Think about your path group. Do you want to be real in your path group, or do you want to be one of those smiling faces with a mask on that has a smiley emoji? That's your path group. See, if we're going to be real, we got to get down into the nitty gritty of the things that happen in our life right? We, we've gotten one-star reviews because we helped missionaries go overseas, and some people were mad at us for that. We've, we've gotten one-star reviews uh, for putting people where they need to be because of the, the tragedy that's happened in our life, and like, people didn't like that. We, we have one-star reviews because we walk with people through sin, and people didn't like that. Okay. Now, we probably have some because we did some bad things, too, <laughs> okay? We have some baggage as well. But man, are you ready to, to endure the sins? of other people in your life, people who don't like the way that you do things, don't like the way that you live for the Lord. Then he says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Keep your saltiness. You have my permission to be salty, okay? Now listen, by salty, I mean Living for the Lord, having some flavor, right? Last week, okay, I'm gonna say y'all y'all are cracking me up. Last week we talked about temptation, okay? we temptation, and what was my temptation last week? Burrito, right? You know how many pictures of y'all eating burritos I got? <laughs> I think you missed the point, right? I should have bought stock in Freebirds last week because everybody's like burrito pictures, right? That you're not. That was the temptation, right? You have permission to be salty, right? I mean, you be the salt of the earth, preserve things, bring flavor, be, be, the, be the hands and the feet of Christ, not to be like, uh-huh, not that salty, all right? Like, be the salt of the earth, because if we're not, if we're not willing to be that flavor, what does he say is going to happen? We get thrown out and trampled on. We're going to get run over by the world. Because, guys, persecution is real. Do you remember that story in Acts chapter 3 um, when Peter and John were walking by the gate and, and they saw this man and, like, silver and gold have I none, but this I give you. Get up and walk, right? And he, he's like, legs? Whoa! He starts jumping around, jumping and leaping and praising God. You realize that right after that, they got arrested. They got thrown in prison because they healed on the Sabbath day. And they got thrown in prison. And when they got out of prison, they were like, we got persecuted for Jesus. They were, like, so excited. Like, we got to suffer like Jesus did. Dude, we got arrested. Woo, that's so exciting. Almost got arrested. Woo, really exciting, right? We we have these, like, do we have these, um, like, excitement that when we face persecution in the Lord, we have an excitement. Because we get to suffer a little bit like Christ did. We get to experience a little bit of the betrayal, the sin of the world thrown on us, the sin of other people thrown on us. We get to endure like Christ endured. Do we celebrate that? Does it bring us to a spiritual place that's closer to God when we, when we face these things? Why? Because you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now think about this, the Sea of Galilee, right? This sunken down sea. If you're a city on a hill and you have your lamps on, everybody around that area can see you. Everybody. Imagine that mountain and you're a city on top of it. Everybody can see you. Are you ready to be that for Jesus? Are you ready to be a light? And when people see you, they see Jesus. So here's the encouragement from verse 16. We're supposed to shine. We're supposed to work and give God the glory. And we shine for Jesus. And then when we do the good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? Remember his workmanship? When we do those things, they see Jesus. Do they see Jesus in you with the things that you do? That's the encouragement from the Sermon on the Mount. How how can we get there? How can we do that? We're meek. We're poor in spirit. We're really ready to humble ourselves before the Lord, feel, have the empathy for the people that are around us. And then we take our heart and we build upon that with the good works, acts of righteousness, of humility, mercy, all these things. That's how we live in the joy of the Lord. Are you ready? Are you ready to be blessed this week? Here's the challenge for us. Let's live. Let's wake up every day, clean the slate, and live for him. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much just for your word. I thank you for this sermon on the mount that we're going to spend several weeks in, Lord, just looking into your teachings and encouragements for us. Lord, help us to walk into the world with a joy and a passion for you. So, Lord, help us as we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper together and remember what you've done for us. Lord, may, may we live our life and base our life upon your sacrifice on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. Lord, we love you and praise you in your name. Amen. So we're fixing to take the Lord's Supper. I'm gonna invite Alex to come up. Um, and sing a song for us. He's going to sing a song called Build My Life. Um, it'll be in Romanian, all right? So you can sing along in English or Romanian. If you happen to know Romanian, that'd be awesome too. Um, but we're going to take the Lord's Supper together and celebrate Christ's um, resurrection for us. So what's going to happen? Um, we're going to have a couple of different things. I, I made a graphic for you. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good, except there's not Four tables up there. There's only one in the front, so I gotta fix this graphic um, again. I was like, oh, it's so pretty. I worked so long on the arrows, but then the tables are wrong. So um, if you're on this side, you're gonna go to the wall, kind of come here, and then head up that way. If you're in the pie, y'all are the pie shaped section, make me hungry every, every Sunday. All right, so if you're here, you're gonna come down the aisle, and you can go either this way or that way. So grab the elements and head back up those rows, and same thing on this side, to the wall and up, or kind of through the pie section, and then you can go either way uh, to those tables. And then when you're done, you go back to your seat, just pray and, and celebrate the Lord with us, and then Chad will lead us in taking the elements together, all right? So if you guys would stand up and do your best to be a yellow or blue arrow, all right? And come on down.
1: Vrednic de lauda ce o pot cânta, Vrednic ești Tu în veci de închinarea mea, Vrednic de tot ce sunt toată viața mea, Ești Tu, Iisus. Isus e numele cel mai minunat. Isus e singurul care m-a salvat. Vreni de tot ce sunt toate viața mea. Ești tu, Isus, știu Isus. Sfânt ești, nimeni nu-i ca tine, totu-ți aparține, luminează tu prin mine. Vreau să te cunosc mai bine, vreau a ta iubire pentru cei de lângă. Nimeni nu-i ca tine, totu-ți aparține, luminează tu prin mine. Vreau să te cunosc mai bine, vreau a ta iubire pentru cei de lui. Isus în e numele cel mai minunat. Isus e singurul care mă salvat Vrei de tot ce sunt, toată viața mea. Ești tu, Isus. Ești tu, Isus. Sfânt ești Nime nu e catine, totu ți aparține, luminează tu prin mine. Vreau să te cunosc mai bine, vreau atâiubire pentru cei de lângă mine. Nimeni nu ca tine, totu aparține, luminează tu prin mine. Vreau să te cunosc mai bine, vreau a ta iubire pentru cei de Toți te aparține, luminează tu prin mine.
0: Vreau
1: să te cunosc mai bine. Vreau să te iubirem pentru cei de lângă mine.
2: Amen. And the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, I'll read this to you, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He continues, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul finishes that thought, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I love how he finishes that thought. When we remember him through taking the Lord's Supper, we remember what he's done for us in the past, and we look forward to what he will do for us in the future. I'm ready for him to come back, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, family, it's been great worshiping with all of you today. Don't forget to stop by the table and see Alec, Alex and Tavi in the back. Uh, they got some, um, I heard they got some rum candy back there. Oh, rum flavored candy. Okay, that's, that's probably better. <laughs> so uh, go check out their candy and, and find out uh, what all the Lord is doing to their ministry there. I also want to let you know we have a fun marriage seminar coming up on September the 30th. It's uh, Tune Up is our theme for this year. September the 30th, it's 25 bucks per couple. Uh, we love to spend some time with you and talking about how God can tune up our marriages. Everyone needs that, right? Oh yeah, yeah we do. Let me finish with this verse with you. It's Jeremiah seventeen seven. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. You're dismissed.